Hello and welcome to the latest Bolton Dream podcast. I'm here with Ruth. Hello. We are back in Costello's, our local pub, uh, which is why you can hear all sorts of weird noises, shouts, and eventually terrible country music in the background. Before we start, I wanted to just do a very quick thank you to everyone who's involved in our summer podcasts. Um, I did the maths earlier, and in total we had 652 listeners. Which, if we're being honest, it's pretty good. and I appreciate a lot of that has nothing to do with us, <laughs> uh, more the people we've been speaking to, but I think that's pretty impressive, yeah. you know? Yeah, So, I would just pat each other on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has rather more to yeah. do with our guests. But big thanks to everyone, thanks to everyone who listened, retweeted everything, uh, very, very grateful, yeah. and uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to them. But especially, thanks to Owen Von Williams, Owen Tudor-Jones, you and Roberts. And especially the lovely Chesapeake The absolutely. Um, today we're going to be talking about a few different things. We're sort of cheating on our pre-season predictions as the season has already started. So that may shape a few of the things that we're saying. Uh, I'm going to try and be as honest as I can for what I originally thought, regardless of how the first few games <laughs> of the season has gone. So... Um, a few of those might sound a little bit outdated, but that's what we're going for. We're going to talk as well. Uh, what I'm most excited to talk about is the women's game, obviously against England on the 31st of August. So, I'm looking at your notes, and I can see Rex in the top of your yep. list for people to talk about. So, how do you think Rex and I are going to do? It's interesting, isn't it? I always start with the North Wales. Yes. <laughs> well, initially I was a little... I mean, I think this falls squarely into the category of we're in a bit of a better place here than we might have thought two weeks ago. Um, I think a lot of, you know, there was concern about Sam Ricketts taking over, not because he didn't have the potential to be a good manager, but just it's his first foray into this, you know, questions about that. Um, But I think they've clearly examined what the holes were last year. Scoring goals was the issue. Um, They've addressed that. You know, Mike um, Von Dock coming in has just been a revelation. Made a big um, they've hung on to the four guys at the back. And, you know, the best line in the National League last year. Um, one of my worries would be whether there's some pressure from some Division One or Division Two teams to to, to pull from yeah. pull from that line. Um, but what a start to the season! Just an amazing start to the I mean, season. I mean, to be yeah. scoring at the rate they are. Um, I was particularly taken as well in the um, Maidenhead game. Ricketts had to make three changes relative to the game prior. And, and the, you know, everything stayed cohesive. They had another good performance. So it also demonstrates there's a little bit of squad depth there yeah, as well. Right. Which, when you think how attritional that league is, is going to be important going forward. Um you listen to Ricketts, he doesn't sound like a newbie. I mean, I think there's a, there's a pat on the back for FAW um, coaching certificates there and the, and the programme and how well prepared no, players are right. when, they, when they come out, of, uh, particularly those with the A licence. And so, uh, just a great start to the season, clearly. I totally agree. Uh, to be honest, I thought as he was a brand new manager that he would kind of struggle a little bit. It was my... Uh, take on it. I also thought there was a, a fairly big turnover of squad numbers um, and I did, and I thought that was going to be a problem for him to knit everyone together. However, 
he is absolutely proving wrong. Like you say, fabulous start to the season. Um, I had a little word with the lads from Fearless and Devotion, the Rex and Fanzine, just as the awful music kicks off <laughs> in the background there. Um, and it was interesting, some of the comments uh, those guys have made. There's a new article up on their website about it, anyone wants to go and have a look. Um, the big points that have come from that really is that Wrexham got their targets in terms of players quite late in the window which obviously again added to what I thought would make it kind of difficult for them to get going they've brought some good new people in uh, Jordan Maguire drew from Brighton two goals is, you know, already at the start of the season um, and as you said Big Mike who's got, got off to a great start scored some goals uh, three and four uh, as we record this I'll obviously change over the weekend against Eastleigh but they you know the guys that feel us in devotion seem very confident and positive about things and it's hard not to be really when you look at what the start to the season has been as I say I personally didn't think that was going to happen and um, the one kind of caveat they've the guys have said to me was it is an attritional league they are going to pick up injuries and the squad isn't really that deep enough to last a full season maybe they might run out of juice toward the end of the year especially when you look at teams like Salford who whilst they haven't had the greatest start to the season have spent a lot of money and have got a big squad and if they need to spend when the opportunity comes around they've got you know more than ample resources to do that so I guess that would be the problem is that whether they'll last the season but you know brilliant start to the year I don't think they've even conceded any goals in this point have they? And, and I think part of the, that league's, the difficulty in that league is there's only one promotion spot. Yeah. So you can have an incredibly good season and play Russian without playoffs and yeah, not get anywhere. Yeah, very true. And I think, and I think that's got to be Wrexham's target really is to either be in the playoffs or get that one automatic spot. I, I doubt, you know, for being really realistic, many Wrexham fans thought they would get it at the start of the season. Um, and if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm not sure they will either still but you look at the teams they are going to be competing against like Salford they're already you know a solid number of points away from them brilliant start to the season personally I didn't expect it um, but I'm, I'm delighted that it has happened again just following your list I got accused of bias the other day right. on Twitter um, so I'm going to blame you if anyone okay. accuses us of bias this time uh, to talk about Cardiff mm -hmm. I'm going to start if that's alright only because I went to see them when I was back at home play their last pre-season game against Real Betis and I don't know if you watched the game against Bournemouth um, but I did and my initial thoughts before I saw a ball be kicked was Cardiff are really going to struggle they've not really got anyone I didn't think he was going to cause enough of a threat up front I know Zahor is a big guy, and, but I just think he's going to struggle in the Premier League. I really fear for Cardiff and their season because of their lack of goal scorers. I don't think they've got like a playmaker sort of thing in midfield. And as for as solid as they're capable of being at the back, I think when you're faced with the type of movement and ability that they'll face uh, in the Premier League, I think they're really, really going to be up against it. You know, the sight of seeing Sol Bamba on the weekend play as a holder midfielder, I mean, teams are going to absolutely destroy him. Absolutely destroy him. Um, and I really think they're on for a long season. My 
a few of my friends who are big Cardiff fans have spoken to them about this and they seem actually okay with the fact that there's not going to be a, you know, a big goal score round because they think they'll they'll get enough points uh, and goals from set pieces. Mm-hmm. But I mean, looking at that game against Bournemouth, clearly lumping the ball into the box is, you know, they have to be a bit more cultured than that. And, and I just don't think they've got it in them. You know, Harry Art, a great signing for them. Is he going to be the person who's going to come in and change their season? I, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I think that their only real hope of staying up is to sort of do a Huddersfield and be very solid at the back, isn't it? But I just don't see where the goals are coming from, no. primarily. And to be honest, I don't really think they even look that solid at the back. So I think I think it's going to be a real struggle for them. And I hope it's not. I hope I'm proved wrong. Can you think of three teams who are going to be worse than them this year? Yeah, that's, the, that's the problem. It's Absolutely hard to identify not. the yeah. three. Yeah. You know, you look at the teams who've come up, have spent big money, um, and I know people say that the the league, the gap, sorry, between the top of the Premier League, the bottom of the Premier League, sorry, and the top of the Championship is quite small. I massively disagree with that, I think, just because of the sums of money that are being knocked around as much as anything else. But that's not true. And I think if you look at the teams who've come up, Fulham spent a lot of money. Pretty much got a brand new 11 if they wanted to do it. Uh, obviously, Wolves spent a lot of money as well. And everyone around them in the Premier League, to be perfectly honest, have also spent a lot of money. So I, I really fear for Cardiff. And without rambling on, the big fear for me is Callum Patterson playing a sort of that hold up number 10 map I mean I, I just think he, I just think he's going to get absolutely destroyed in that league and he you know couldn't hold the ball up particularly well against Bournemouth and they're not the most physical aside to Bournemouth I hope I'm wrong um, I just wonder whether they're sort of prioritising the season a little differently than well obviously prioritising a little differently than perhaps in Fulham in that they're not stretching themselves economically. They look like what they're building is a way to survive the fall. Yeah. No, and, I, I know. And I, from a kind of fan's point of view, you don't want to go in. That's not what you want to see happening. But equally, from a, a sort of club integrity and, and like survivability, I'm not sure that's necessarily a bad approach no. either. You know, to, to be in a position where. If you do end up in the championship, you've actually got a really good, higher championship yeah. level squad, and you can keep building. And you know, there's been examples where a club has gone up, they've gone down in strength, and they come up again in yeah. a better position. And maybe that's more the model that they're going for. I think so. What someone again I spoke to at home said made a valid point, which I, I thought, which was maybe they're not going to spend too much money now with one eye on what happens next season. They don't want to do what they did under Solskjaer and spend a lot of money on crap, basically. Um, And then, if they're at Christmas and they're in a position where you think, we might actually be able to stay up here, then they've still got some money left in the bank to kind of throw at it, if you like. Which I think is quite a, a logical way to do it and sensible way to do it. Do I think they're going to be in with a chance of Christmas? Personally, I don't. Um, but, again, as I keep saying, I hope I'm wrong. Positive note there. Uh, <laughs> to start with. Uh, again, to follow your pattern, I'll, I'll go Swansea next. Right. 
Well, that's a positive note. I think, I think when you consider what happened during the transfer window, I mean, it, it felt and looked like an appalling case of asset stripping, didn't it? Yeah, I agree. And, the, and not even value for money asset stripping. Really, when you when you look at some of the, the figures that people were going, but you can't argue what, with what's happened in the in the first couple of games yeah. and, and what they're producing on the field. I wonder, in a roundabout way, whether the fact that they've had to sort of look internally, look at their under twenty threes, which we and other folks have said repeatedly about how strong good good side, yeah, how actually. strong that side was last year. Uh, and they've brought the, you know, they've brought up a few. They've brought up Rod. Lana Roberts seems to be, um, you know, more fixture than last year, than the last year. So, in a roundabout way, it might turn out to be the nudge that made made them really pull on their twenty threes and, and push forward that way. Uh, but but they still, it still seems a really thin squad, doesn't it? I mean, that's the thing that worries me, to be honest. You know, making my prediction. If we had done this three weeks ago, I think they've got a good basis of a squad. I think they've got a good 11 or maybe even 13 players who are solid, uh, talented, and can, can get them out of trouble. And, you know, that's away from the people they've sold. And when you look at them, they have got Boney when he gets back. Fur is on his way back. They've got good players like Tom Carroll uh, in that squad. But the thing is how thin it is and... I really hope they can make the most of the, of the loan market now and, and kind of kind of pull a rabbit out of the hat a little bit. Um, I've watched them uh, twice this year. My only thing I will say is, whilst the results have been very positive, very well, very positive indeed, they've been brilliant. The way they've played means, like, I wouldn't say the luck is going is to have to run out soon, yeah. but. They're not. It's not about playing playing great football. They're living on the edge. They're trying to keep the ball, which is admirable, but they keep making mistakes. They keep giving giving it away. You know, the goals they've scored have been not breakaway goals, but they've, they've done it without really having much of the ball in the games. And I'm not again. I'm not trying to be critical of Swansea. I think what they're doing and the way they're going about it, especially what Potter has done, considering the you know, the rug has been pulled from under her a bit, I think has been admirable. Um, but. My concern would be longer term. Longer term, sorry. Again, similar sort of things I said about Wrexham, really, is maybe they'll run out of steam a little bit at the end. Um, again, I spoke to our, our reporter on the scene, Fraser Watson, who we did our Swansea special with. Um, the big people he's talked about who were there from last season have remained is Martin Olsen, who is probably the best left-back in the league, and Mike Van der Horn. Having extra players like Jefferson Montero contain a lot of talent. Obviously, he's lightning quick. Whether he wants to be there or not is a, a different different kettle fish. And obviously, we talked about Leroy Fur coming back, Wilfred Boney coming back. And obviously, if Ollie McBurney can kind of repeat what he did at Barnsley last year on limited service. So I think, you know, according to Fraser, as, you know, I think everyone probably agree with that as well. Those are the key players uh, in the side. The chasing of players in the loan market is obviously a difficult one and the big one they're looking at is Ryan Woods from what I've heard and people have said to me I, I don't think that's going to happen um, that kind of loan signing doesn't look like it's going to work uh, and the keeper took a knock on the weekend is there enough depth there um, 
like as as Fraser has said, you know, the, the players have done very very well considering considering everything. Um, but in his opinion, as I said, it's a bit more by accident than design. He's had to kind of use the players he's got because he hasn't really got many other options. Um, but the long season is going to make it difficult for the squad. Um, but I think, you know, as Fraser said, he thinks Potter is a realist. He understands the spot he's in. And I, to be the one thing I will give the owners credit for is I think they understand the spot they're in. And they, you know, whether fans like it or not. And, you know, I'd be upset if it happened to my club, but they are having to do things in a certain way to get wages down and, and kind of balance the books a little bit. Uh, which is fair. I mean, Fraser's final kind of point, not quite as eloquent as this, but unless the window, the loan window, goes well for them, it could be a very long season. Um, the big player, I think, for them as well, which Fraser hasn't mentioned, haven't seen them play, was uh, Selina, who's very tricky. Uh, maybe a little bit lightweight, but he, you know, is a challenge to play against. He's quick, he's direct, he's got good feet. Um, and I think he's someone who can really create a lot for them. So I hope, I hope that he does. I, you know, my prediction remains that I think over the course of the season they'll struggle. You know, if Swans can get anywhere near the playoffs, yeah, I think I, it's a fabulous achievement. I, I think it's the, um, the harsh nature of that that league, isn't it? Might be what catches them out yeah. in the end. But equally, they might be doing, you know, the plan might be something not akin to what you were saying about Cardiff, was, you know, if they can keep pace with things until January, and, and you know, perhaps think, okay, we, at this point, we can afford to invest X percentage of a parachute payment in seeing if we can yeah. ensure we make the playoffs. No, I agree. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there is, you have to be mindful of your circumstances. Uh, my concern there, I think, would be the return they've got on some of the players that they've sold doesn't doesn't seem to be quite as high as it should have been probably in the market. And I I think as my my feeling would be as a supporter, it's it's one thing to understand that you've got to sell people, you've got to get them off the wage bill after, but you you want a return that seems proportional, and I'm not sure they've hit that. I totally agree. I mean, from a business perspective, you look at you know the numbers that they've sold people for. Fabianski went for relatively cheap. I know Mawson went for a decent sum, but could have got more. I thought. I mean, Sam Kluke has gone. I think it was six million Kluke has went for in the end. Like that's a scandal. <laughs> you know, I hope that you know there is a proper long-term plan for this, and you know they needed the money quick maybe to to sort out a few things. I don't know. Uh, but I hope it, you know things are done properly because I you know. I would worry that if Swansea went down again, that I think they'd really struggle to get themselves going again. And for what it's worth, I don't think that's going to happen. But that's my worry. I also think it's worth pointing out that they have possibly the worst away kit <laughs> I have ever seen in my entire life. Orange fading to black. Have you yeah. seen it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It does. It looks like they've got like grandpa shorts on, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It's a really awful kit. Sorry if you've bought that kit and you think it's lovely, uh, Swansea fans. I think it's awful. I was flying back here and I was at Dublin Airport. And in the part of Dublin Airport I had, uh, I was in, they had different shirts, football shirts on sale. And some of them like the Irish, uh, what's it called, like hurling and all that, yep. do you know what I mean? Those sort of shirts, Gaelic football uh, as well. 
and in there was a few different like British football shirts, including Swansea City. I was just like, what a bizarre thing to have in there. And it was one of those ones. And I looked at it first. I was walking past, like, oh my god, whose shirt is that? That's oh, Swansea. <laughs> it's absolutely disgusting. So uh, yeah, again, apologies if you bought that and you disagree with our sartorial uh, choices, but I think it is disgusting. Very quickly on Newport, as I'm aware that we are waffling on a little bit, as as we do, as per usual. Um, my big thing for Newport, similar sort of thing as Wrexham, really was a lot of player turnover, and I know it's quite difficult to net, you know, kind of knit things together again. And after the first uh, game of the season where they lost three 0 I was thinking, I don't want to be, but it looks like I'm going to be right. And then all of a sudden they've kind of turned yeah. it on. And some of the football they were playing, uh, was it Cambridge they beat the other night? I think the second goal in that, that was phenomenal. Yeah. Great, great team goal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think maybe uh, Mike Flynn has, he has had a big turnover of players and it's, he's done it in a waste because he's, you know, wants to play a certain, certain style and maybe that is actually starting to happen now. And the first week it didn't kind of work out, but since then, certainly seems like it's working out. Uh, they definitely seem to be getting better, good wins, um, and seem to be making good progress. So I very much hope that that continues to be the case. It's a hard league to be a manager in, isn't it? You look at the turnover year yeah. on year. You know, if you can play like genuine football, second, third game of the season with the level of turnover that yeah. all the clubs suffer yeah. really in that league, I mean, that, that's got to be a good sign. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, Obviously, it's early doors. Um, one thing I was interested in was a report I think earlier today about the possibility of a, a sort of buyout of the fans, or at least part of the fans' yeah. share, um, and that'll be interesting to to follow over the next few months and see and see what happens in, in terms of that. Because there's, you know, I can understand there's pros and cons to that. You want some investment. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um, and. You know they've they've only balanced the books this year because of the good cup runs they had last That's year. Very you can't true, yeah. you can't assume that you're going to be able to do that going forward. So I can I can see the the draw of having some further external investment, but equally you look at some of the teams. What we've just been discussing one where a, you know a, fr a fraction of the club was, was sold on and perhaps hasn't been a positive experience. Yeah. So again, it'd be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that will play out through the year. We'll, we'll comment on it. Go on. Um, sticking with the mould of Welsh clubs, another perfect segue there. It's been interesting to see the Welsh league clubs in Europe. Some positive results. Yep. It's really also some decent games to watch. Unfortunately, no one is still in Europe. Uh, TNS got beaten in the second leg 3-1 last night, uh, knocking them out. The big point I wanted to make on this was... They're not playing these huge nations. TNS is the exception because obviously Mitelli and I think that's how you say it, from Denmark. Um, you know they, they played in the Champions League. They beat Man United a few years ago. But I mean, you look at the European, uh, the Europa League, sorry, and you know, getting knocked out by clubs from all over the place. It doesn't really say a lot for the for the quality of the Welsh league when you think that TNS are kind of steamrolling in a little bit, and even they are getting. You know, some pretty yeah. hefty beatings it's, it's around. It's difficult, the isn't it? Because I think it feels like we're, we're almost setting up the teams to make it as hard for them as possible to do well. Yeah. 
you're, you're playing the games effectively as uh, pre-season games, uh, where a lot of the other clubs are on a slightly different schedule. You look at the rate of squad turnover, which you know, happens at that that level, just like we were talking about with Wrexham and, and Newport. And you're trying to integrate that. You've got um, much different, however, much different budgets. Although I want to come back to that, much different budgets to some of these uh, teams that they've been playing, yeah. particularly those that are further east in, in Europe they've got some interesting investors yeah. um, going with this so I think we do collectively I think need to look at how we can just structure the whole the whole process to, to tr- there's nothing we as in Welsh FA can do to change the timeline of when the games are played but what can we do to try and make the transition into those games just better for yeah. the teams. I mean, we have talked before about summer football. Yeah. You know, we talked about to Owen Tudor-Jones as well, and I think that's something that people should be looking at. Certainly the season at least starting a little bit earlier, because this problem is going to keep happening, but be it TNS or whoever else, you know, are going to keep being in the Europa League and, and Champions League qualifying rounds. So something, you know, can, can be done about it quite easily personally I think um, yeah we just TNS's performance meant that our, our coefficient stayed where it was and we're going to still have four clubs going forward yeah. and to be honest that might be our success criteria yeah. you know whichever team goes deep enough that we can keep putting keep four teams over, forward yeah. might be the point I think also we and, I, and this is not anybody's fault it's certainly not TNS's fault but the deeper they go the more they earn the more the differential then is for them versus yeah, the rest of the league. True, and you can't blame them for that. They're not going to not take the yeah. you know, quarter of a million off, off uh, UEFA or whatever it is. But what does that mean for our league? Are we, are we continually causing a differential between yeah. them and the rest of the league? And there's, again, there's no easy answers there, but I do think collectively there's questions there that we should be asking and trying to address and help and improve. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like, like you said, I, I don't really have an answer. Um, TNS aren't going to turn away from that money, and why should they? Um, and to be clear, I'm not being critical of TNS, their performances in Europe. I think I don't think anyone really expects them to beat Italian. But I totally agree about your point. If I read somewhere that if, got, if they'd have got through that, they would have earned a million pounds, which in Welsh Welsh league levels is you know may as well be a billion. Uh, the money that's kind of you know comparatively knocking around there. So as you say, does that kind of change the competitiveness of the league? I, I, again, and I, just, I don't know what the answer is, but I agree it does need to be reviewed. I think in some way, especially the summer football thing, in my eyes, and I hope that something is done to kind of to improve things and make make progress. We uh, want to talk next about the players who've moved on uh, in the men's team. Few loan moves, few interesting decisions, few players who've gone on to pastures new, few things that we were looking at. Obviously, great to see Harry Wilson at Derby. Looks like he's got off to a good start. Yeah. As does Tom Lawrence, to be fair. I know he's not moved, but has got off to a good start. A couple of his goals have been. Oh my goodness. They've been pretty, that, haven't they? Absolutely. That free yeah. kick he scored. Yeah. Well, the header on the first game, game of the season was beautiful, but that free kick. Um, great to see them kind of move in and. and 
playing regular football. Obviously, great to see Ben Woodburn has moved as well. That was one of the most important ones for me. Glad to see he's gone to Sheffield United. I think he'll play a lot. It is a good city for him to play, and I think he'll be happy with that. Yeah, I was surprised to see Lee Evans move. Mm. I thought he'd kind of established himself. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I don't think Wigan's a bad place to be, but I was surprised at the move. No, I agree. David Brooks at Bournemouth. Yes, he has gone to Bournemouth. Um, I mean, Premiership football and sort of accessible Premiership football. He will actually play. Yeah, but I mean, he there. started. He played yeah. 60 minutes against Cardiff yeah. on the weekend. So on that basis, it's a great move and a, and a good coach for him. I totally well, agree. I um, I will say he did look a bit lightweight, and I think you know similar things we've said about um, Harry Wilson in the past. He needed to go somewhere to play every week at a higher level and realise what he needed to do. He did bulk up, and I and I think maybe David Brooks will think to himself, "Yeah, I need to put a bit on." And I think so. Yeah, I, I think he will kind of bulk up a bit, and I, I think he'll have to because it is more physical. And I think that was the one thing I thought about him against Cardiff was good feet, good runs, good movement, and often kind of basically getting bullied off the ball a little bit sometimes um, and they will play against a lot more difficult opposition than Cardiff as well so the interesting one for me was Ashley Williams yeah. I mean I think the plus point is he's out of Everton yeah I think at least you know he's going to get regular play at Stoke the and I think at the minute, given the performances of last year, that might be his level currently. Uh, so on that basis, you know, he's, he's going to find a place there, I think. Yeah, I think and, so. and I, I think going forward for Wales, we want to play him regularly and we want to play him in a sort of positive way and hopefully that will come through. So. I will say that they've not had a great start to the season. No, they haven't. They haven't had a good start at all, have they? Which really worries me, especially when you think of the, the players they've bought and the money they've spent and everything else. And um, Joe is still there. I've gone full circle on this now. <laughs> I'd rather him be there and play every week. And, and do you know what? I have a lot of respect for the guy for doing that because he, I think, you know, he signed a new contract. It's not just a one-year thing. I think he, you know, he wants to stay there and kind of solve the problem that was kind of created by that squad last season. I don't think he was part of the problem by any stretch of imagination, but I think he sees that he owes the club something I have, you know, just when you think you couldn't love him anymore, you know, <laughs> you can. Um, and it is striking just generally how many players we've got in the championship. Yeah. And there must be, I don't know, three dozen of them across across the various yeah. teams. And I think in terms of squad depth, looking at Wales, to have that number of players playing regularly are what? is undoubtedly a good level yeah. it's, it's got to be good for us no I, I agree and you, you know you look at other people that you know I know haven't got a move but like Hal is playing a bit more for West Brom I think he scored the other day yeah. um, Tyler even, Roberts getting game yeah. time at least even James Chester scored yeah <laughs> it's all going off I think the fact they've made him captain as well I yeah that's, that's a nice touch it's a good, so it's a good thing you know the more, I mean not that he wasn't a leader for us anyway yeah. but I think it's, it's good for players to be acknowledged that no, way I agree I've got to say Aston Villa's kit in the exact opposite to Swansea's is absolutely lovely. So, uh, well, congratulations, Aston Villa's <laughs> kit designer. 
Um, the one I'm stealing your research on, I totally forgot about, was Matt Smith yeah. going to FC20. That's a great move. That, I, I think for him it's a good move. I mean, nice football. He'll be well coached. Yeah. Um, they've obviously, I mean, there's clearly a relationship there between them and Man City when you look at the other players that have gone in both directions. Um, so, you know, he's going to get whatever we might think of the Man City way, he's going to get exposed to that. Uh, you know, clearly they must like what happens at FC20. So, on that basis, hopefully it bodes well for him moving back after a, a year or two. Yeah. I hope that when he comes back, he does get game time somewhere, but that is a story for another day. Talking about game time somewhere, how do you think Ampadu fits in with Chelsea? I had an interesting chat with someone called Elliot on Twitter who was saying that Sari fancies him. With that said, is he going to play every week? No chance. No. Um, I would love to see him go on loan somewhere. I mean, I think Newcastle United could do worse things than sign him, if I'm, if I'm honest. I think if we want to continue his development as an international level, I think we have to... He has to be playing club football regularly. And it becomes a very difficult conversation then between, I think Joe Ledley's finished at international level. Again, conversation for another day, but I think that I think that's the case. Can he replace him? Can Ampadu replace him? If he's not playing every week, I just I don't see how he can. So then we're playing, you know, with someone who probably shouldn't be there in Joe Ledley and it's difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, and I think he should, you know, he needs to play more than cups and, and whatever else. So I hope he does get a lot of game time at Chelsea. Uh, personally, I just... I think they value him, but I think they value him as a long-term investment. I'm not convinced that he's going to get the playing time this season. I think he could end up in a very similar situation that Woodburn did last year, yeah. where he's, he's clearly clearly part of the makeup. You know, goes on their European trips and all that sort of thing, but doesn't actually get on yeah. on the field very much. And how how much development? He's still really young, though, isn't he? I mean, he's not he's yeah. not at the point that Wilson and Woodburn no were it, at and the, where they needed to do something. He's got a little bit of time. It is it is slightly different. I agree, yeah. but I think he's that good yeah. that he could be he could be playing Premier League football every week yeah, somewhere yeah. and should be. Um, and I hope he gets. I hope he gets a move somewhere, even if it's the championship. It's probably too good for the championship, but I think I hope that happens. To uh, to move from the men to the women, the squad has been announced for obviously the massive, massive game on the uh, on the thirty first of August, and very excited about the game. Obviously, talked about it a lot with Jess uh, Fishlock. If you haven't listened to that podcast, please do. It wouldn't be a Coleman Had a Dream podcast uh, about the women's game without some input from Sarah and her mum, Nicole, and um, Hales. So here's a little audio that they've sent across the Atlantic for us. Hi, Coleman Had a Dream. This is Hales from Fee Wales. Um, so the England game is coming around really, really quickly now less than a couple of weeks ago and I couldn't be more excited and I think a lot of the country are feeling the same way too. Got a great squad out there, pretty much at full strength apart from Charlie Escort, shame that she's missing but the girls that are there we know can do a job. 
Um, in terms of style of play, I think we're going to have to keep it tight and play defensive and look to get something on the break. I think that's, we can't go out all attack as much as I'd love to see us do that, but we'll just be too exposed, I think. So we're just going to have to keep it tight. Um, we know we can play like that. We've got results playing like that before. Am I confident we can get something? Absolutely. I believe in these girls 100%. So, fingers crossed, they go out there, they do the job, and hopefully we'll all be in France next summer. So I'm here with Sarah now. We've been listening to the um, the last podcast with uh, Jess Fishlock. Uh, so what did you think of the answers that Jess gave to your questions? I was really surprised when she said she trains five days a week because that's about as long as we go to school. I don't think I would be able to do that. No, do you think you'd be able to train that lot that hard? No. No? <laughs> Is there anything else that you thought about the... Um... About the, um, the interviews that she gave? Well, I'd really like to meet her as well. And I'm hoping one day in the future we might. That would be nice, wouldn't it? So, the England game coming up now. That's not long. We've got our tickets, haven't we? Yeah. Who's going with us this time? Auntie, Daddy and Dylan are coming yeah, as well. We've got a group going, haven't we? So, predictions. Who do you think is going to win? I think we're going to win 2-0. Two 2-0? Nil. Two nil? Yeah. Yeah? Do you have any idea who might score? Maybe Jasper Schlock, maybe Nick Jones. Yeah, what about Kayleigh Green? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, so that's your prediction. If we win, we go through to the World Cup, yeah? Yeah. So, fingers crossed. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of different things that we've kind of got to talk about here. Um, I think we've got pretty much a full squad apart from Charlie Escort. The game has come a bit too soon for her in her re- rehabilitation. So I think as a consequence, we'll see the same side that played against Russia. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. It's fairly like, terrifying. It's at the point where I'm already getting horribly nervous and it's two <laughs> weeks away. I just don't do this too. <laughs> um, but... Can I just quick doff of a hat to FAW and Owen Harris and the, and the guys that organised the squad announcement at the, at the Eisteddfod? Yeah. It was just, that was cracking. Brilliant. Yeah, in the wigwam, with the band, and it was just like, yeah, another thing you've got right. Yeah. Just tip your hat. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The FAW are nailing stuff at the minute, I've got to say. Credit where it's due. Um, we kind of talked about the game a little bit in our, in our previous podcasts. Before we go on to that, I do just want to talk permutations, because I want to get this out of the way, basically. Um, I've kind of looked into the circumstances of what happens in regards to the playoffs, should that happen. I've written a shitload of stuff about it, which we'll put on, the, put on the, our website, our WordPress website. It's incredibly complicated. If you're if you don't know, the basics are there are five teams in a group, but your points against the team that finishes bottom of your group get wiped out in terms of the second place playoff picture. So of all seven groups, four teams who come second go into the playoffs, and obviously the two winners of the, of the two playoff games go go to the World Cup. 
it is very, very tight and complicated in different groups. So I thought, rather than just read this out, I'll go through this kind of a group at a time so we can have a little chat about it as we go and then see what happens. Okay. So You're, you're in charge of this because I'm just lost. So, as things stand, if we were to lose to England, wiping out our two... Uh, results against the bottom place team we would net to be on 11 points a draw obviously means we would have 12 it's all kicking off here isn't it um, so so yes so we will either be on 11 or 12 points if we don't beat England as a consequence we are we would be fourth in the seven second place teams therefore we would need no one to overtake us uh, and if they did, we would have to overtake one of the teams ahead of us, obviously. So... You mean currently we're fourth? Were we to lose... Okay. So England are currently fourth okay. in that as well. Right. But for arguments, they're, they're, they're probably going to go on and beat Kazakhstan. Yeah. So they will probably jump yeah. us, and again, unless we beat them. So this is on the premise that we draw or lose yeah. to England. So, Scotland ultimately are our biggest threat. Uh, which is wonderful. Um, basically, they are nine points, having scrubbed away their two results against the bottom place team, and have to play Switzerland to a top of the group and Albania. On the basis, they'll probably beat Albania. They beat them five 0 last time. That moves them to twelve points in our second place system. And obviously that means that's one more than we would have if we lost, and the same as us if we drew. However, they have a much better goal difference than us, so would leapfrog us. It would obviously depend on if they lost to Switzerland, how many they lost by, but the goal swing is, is such they would have to, for argument's sake, lose 5-0 to, to Switzerland and only beat Albania 1-0. Okay. For argument's sake. I've done quite good work examples here, work. actually. Are you still with me? Yeah, I'm it? with you so far. But basically we're saying Scotland are probably going to overtake us under these circumstances. In a, in a nutshell, yeah. there, are a sele there are a selection of circumstances where I won't bore you with, you can read for yourselves <laughs> online, where Albania being the bottom team in the group would mean that, that would change Scotland's goal difference, okay. um, which would then mean that a draw against England might be good enough, depending on who comes bottom of that group, because Belarus and Albania are very tight. Okay, so they're fighting for the wooden spoon and that could affect us. Yes, right. in a nutshell. That was quite, that was okay, quite so efficient. Okay, so on that basis, we might be overtaken by the Scots and we only need one team to overtake us. Yes. Okay. And if one team does, obviously, we need to overtake someone else. Yeah. Group three, we're group one, sorry, Scotland are group two. Group three, um, Norway are going to win the group, can't be caught. Uh, sorry, can't be caught for second place in Group 2. Um, the group leaves the Holland and Norway can't overtake Holland. So, okay, so that the, game so is, that group so is dead. Norway is assured of one of those four second place yes. places. They're okay. in the playoffs, come right. on, mate. Okay. Group 4 is different. Sweden and Denmark are both on... Uh, 15 points overall before we scrub their points away. However, Ukraine are also in the mix. Were Ukraine to win their last two matches and come second in that group, then 
even if we lost to England, we would still have more points than them. Okay. So if you're looking for a team to do us a favour, it is Group 4 and Ukraine. They need to win both of their games. And who are they playing? They are playing, I have worked this out, Sweden and Hungary. So one of them is actually against Sweden, which is obviously a massive game. And Hungary are the bottom but one team in that group. So you'd, you'd think they'd win that. So that game against Sweden is, is a, okay. as big for them as it is for us. Feasibly, Ukraine, I think, can still win the group. But it would need a lot of other crap, which I'm not going to go into, um, to kind of solve that problem. So, basically, we want Denmark... Because Denmark are playing Sweden as well. Denmark top of the group at the minute. So, basically, we want Denmark to beat Sweden and Ukraine to beat Sweden. Okay. Is the long and short of it. In that one, if that happens... Okay, so, so far, we're cheering on Switzerland. So Switzerland. Far. And we're pulling the rug out from under Sweden. Yes. Okay. And we want Ukraine to do well in that okay. group. All right. And with you so far? Absolutely. Start pouring down <laughs> outside, pouring shorts and flip flops. Yeah. And I'll stay with me tea. Anyway, Group Five is a similar situation. That is Iceland and Germany have 16 and 15 points, so that is net 10 and 9, depending on yep. who were to be second. However, the Czech Republic can catch both of those. So the Czech Republic are another one where we would like them to do well. Again, we need the Germans to do us a favour because they are playing Iceland as well. So ultimately we want the Germans to win the group and then the Czechs to come second. And again, we'd be in the same situation where if they won both games, came second, we would, even if we lost to England, we'd still be ahead of them. Okay. So the so Czechs and the Germans there are another team for us to support. Okay. So get rid of Iceland, cheer for the Czechs. Okay. I don't know. I quite like Czech beer. It'll do. It'll do me. I like beer. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> I don't know what I'd say. We're not going there. Um, God, it's awful outside. Um, Listeners, if you can, if you can hear the hub, the, the drum, drum, drum in the background, that's actually the red. Yeah, that is not any of the crap <laughs> music or whatever else is not going on. Group six is a danger group for us because Belgium or another team who are currently below us have two games to play, so could overtake us. Okay. However, I, I don't think they will. Okay. They are playing Romania and Italy. Italy have only conceded two goals in qualifying, have scored 21. They have won scored all of their 21. games. They've won all of the games. If you remember, Wales played them in the... I can't remember the name of the cup. Was it Cyprus Cup? Yes, I uh, think so, yes. And I think then they lost by a, by a fairly sizable margin that game. So... I would fancy the Italians to win mm -hmm. that. Um, I think Belgium will probably beat Romania, but they have to win both games to be able to overtake us. So they have to be the Italians? Yeah. Okay, so that, that's looking hopeful. That I think so. Okay. And again, if they draw with Italy and beat Romania or vice versa, they go to 11 points. So we would have to draw with England because Belgium's goal difference is way better than ours. So that is the only danger. Is that if they get four points from the two games, we would have to draw to stay above them. And I think that's that. I think I've, I don't know where my research on Group 7 has gone, but uh, it's, that's because Spain have. They're that, through anyway. Yeah, that, that group basically doesn't affect us. So uh, and the other group, yeah, that is because the other group is Austria in that group. They 
whatever their results are can't catch us even if they win their last game they've only got one game left if they win their last game they go in this system to a net 10 points we're already on 11 Oh, so that one doesn't matter because they can't beat us? That's what I meant, yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. So, all right, so we're at the point where there's five groups after three places? Yes, sorry, okay. you were right, yes. Right, I meant right. that wrong, so I said that Five right. groups after three places. Well, that's, that feels better than five yeah, groups after two, two places. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, it is still well, it is obviously like. very, very complicated. <laughs> how, how important is a draw? I mean, do we, do, do it we sort of it? doesn't matter. Okay. It, I mean, it, it would be Sod's law that then the, the Belgians would do what we want them, you know, not want them not to do. I think if we're going to have any chance of staying ahead of Scotland, we do need to draw. Okay. And I think that's the danger. I think if we don't get a draw, I think Scotland will overtake us, and then we're relying on Ukraine yeah. or the Czech Republic to do us a favour. Which yeah. I'm, I'm not sure of. I'm, and to be honest, I don't know what their kind of motivation is. I'm not sure if there's enough of a like possible circumstantial switches well, that would benefit like, them it as sounds well. Sounds like they both could possibly qualify. Yeah, they could make playoffs. I yeah. think. So on that basis, you'd hope they keep going. I suppose it kind of depends. Well, they'd have to both have to win both games. Wouldn't yeah. They? So you feel like they're either going to be going forward and trying to win both. They get hammered in the first, and that's that. And that's that. The difficulty is, is that those games we are not playing on the last match day no, weekend. We're playing, yeah, uh, we're in the we're, ultimate. Yeah, window, we? we're 30th and 31st games. Well, obviously, we're the 30th, the 31st. Sorry, but other games around us are on the 30th, and then the majority of games that matter to us are on the 4th and 5th of September. No, I think they're all on the 4th actually, and we obviously we're done. We're point. done. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is all irrelevant if either A, we beat England, or, very unlikely, Kazakhstan beat England, in which case we would remain top of the group with a draw. But I think, you know, they beat Kazakhstan 5-0. I can't imagine England are going to go and, and lose that game. So, so leaving aside the how we might be able to play or what's the best way to play for us, do you think it would pay for us to go after the win it's, it's, it's a very difficult one to kind of judge because you can't go go after the win lose 5-0 our goal difference gets hammered and then that's the reason we miss out on a playoff spot equally you know it's a death or glory situation isn't it and you my personal take on things is I would rather we went out had a go at them and I'm not saying we you know change the way we play or whatever but try and win the game be a bit more you know vulnerable defensively because if you do that you're there what I would hate to happen after all of this is to go through what the girls have gone, gone through and then because they've gone for it miss out on even a playoff place I think that would be fairly heart-wrenching to be perfectly honest um, to answer your question personally I think we should just go for it I don't think we will no I don't think I don't think we will on the basis of it's not really how, how we, play, we how we can play um, but I just wondered from the research that you've done whether you thought just from a kind of probabilities point of view 
it sounds like we almost might as well. I mean, that's that's what I take from it. But again, you'd be gutted if we did go for it. The results did yeah, go our right either way, but yeah. because of goal difference, we were buggered. So yeah. it is, it is, it is so difficult to call. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, based on the discussion we had with Jess, she she clearly doesn't expect the game to be managed, played very differently from what happened no. at St Mary's. And and you know, and I totally understand that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it was very effective. Yeah. Uh, and I think. The only difference is, I think, they might, at a certain point of the game, maybe let's say it's nil-nil with ten minutes to go, yeah. think to themselves, there's only so much damage we could do to ourselves for ten minutes. In ten minutes, let's have a go. Um, I, I, I think the way they play a little bit, in a funny way, is a little bit like Newcastle, in that we tend to kind of sit and sit and sit and sit, and when we get a chance, bang and have a go. And Rafa keeps us in games for the last 10 15 minutes, and then you, as I say, how much damage can you do to yourself in that time? So we have a go, and, I, and I'd like to think if it is nil nil after 10 minutes, rather than hanging on for a point, we might try and think, right, let's have a go. I mean, you look at, particularly in the Russia game, the second half of the Russia game. Those are three nice goals. Yeah. Nice goals. So, it's not that we can't play going forward. Um, I mean, the frustration is the frustration is that goal that we should have had against England and St Mary's. I mean, that ball was over the line. I mean, just... I mean, yeah, I agree <laughs> with how, you. That's how it goes. And well, you know, that's how it is. What do you make of... I mean, obviously, we discussed with Jess a little bit about the the role of the location and, and playing it in, at Rodney Parade and the very deliberate decision to have it down there. Um, when she, and she's not the only one actually, but she, when she described it as a cauldron and Ludlow's used the same terminology since as well, what do you think they, they as in the team, want from the crowd. I mean, night. I think you're using words like cauldron. Uh, they're very kind of provocative words, aren't they? Um, and to be perfectly honest, I've also really enjoyed, and I'm, it's got to be deliberate, I've also really enjoyed Ludlow and Fishlock when we talked to, to her, referred to them as they and them. And us, <laughs> and that is obviously very deliberate. Yeah. And there is definitely, you know, I, I don't think for a moment that Jess did that because she was hoping a few of the England players listen to our <laughs> podcast and trying to rattle them. That's that's just the mentality, isn't it? I mean, I think that's fam- fam- fabulous. Uh, I think they want it to be horrible. They want, you know, they want the players to be the England players to be booed. I think you know they want you know they want it to be a horrible game basically, don't they? They want to try and rattle them. They want to piss them off, and they want to create this us against them, backs to the walls. You know all the cliches you like. And I hope that it works out. I think they it, it just, they deserve it to work out. You think to be in a group that they are, you know, it's not an easy group we've got there. And England, certainly rankings-wise at least, are the best team in Europe. 
and we're ahead of them in the group you know I mean it's just a you know I don't want to say whatever happens because that's looking at the wrong way but it is a phenomenal achievement and they deserve if you can ever deserve it in football to to get the reward that they've come so close to it to achieving and I, I hope anyone who goes makes it uncomfortable for the England players I hope the pitch is shit I hope it's dug up yeah. and, I, and I hope that it's raining like it was yeah, here five yeah, minutes exactly. ago <laughs> I hope you know the players some of the players are swimming around the place and they'll be ready for that the big difference I think between England and Wales in this setting is that I think the Wales players are kind of willing to go to war to this and I think they'll you know it's not demeaning anyone's talent but you have to say that England are fundamentally a, a better side than us so I think you know you've got to do what you've got to do to win the game haven't you and I think you, I think we'll go out there and I think we'll basically try and make them uncomfortable tick them a bit you know and I think like I said people are willing to well, you, look at, you, look, at the way, you look at the work rate, the effort, the concentration in that game at St Mary's. And it was like Jess Fitzgerald said on our, our podcast, you know, just the effort, physical and mentally, that went into playing that game. She talked about it in terms of just the taxing nature of international football and how demanding it is. And there's no, there's no point in which you can take a breath. You look at how hard they work, yeah. and they're clearly going to be more than willing to work as hard, if not harder, on the 31st. So I've got no doubts. I think whatever the score sheet is at the end of the game, I've, I've got every confidence that they're going to put every no, ounce no, of effort no. into it. That's and right. at that point, that's all you can ask. Yeah, and, and, I, and I don't think, I don't think for a minute anyone thinks that that isn't going to happen. Um, the only uh, something else I thought about, and I'm maybe I'm kind of cl- not clutching straws, but looking for anything, is the pitch at St Mary's was massive. Yeah. And the pitch at Rodney Parade is definitely not as big. But I think my point is, I think they'll be able to make better use of their work rate. Yeah, it's fair point. Yeah, and I think I remember late late in that game was almost a bit of a break on and with Jess in fact and she kind of broke forward couldn't quite saw her feet out and that had to be down to tiredness and I think should these chances come around again in the second game I, I think we'll be able to manage it a bit better I don't think we'll be quite we'll have, we won't have to cover as much yeah, ground we won't it's not have, about putting less effort yeah. in there's less space to cover yeah we won't be as stretched that's really well yeah. so I, I'd like to think that that'll help us um, and again you, you know I am you know clutching the straws and looking for anything sort of thing so as a consequence I hope all these little little factors we've talked about kind of come in and make a difference and you know worth giving a shout out to Haley as well from Fee Wales who thank you very much for giving us the t-shirts by the way to give away the winner of that will be announced at the end of this podcast she's put a flag together with different messages for the players on it which I think is an amazing thing and you know all it has to do everything has to just improve by 1% all the little things have to improve by 1% and all of a sudden you've got a big difference and that gives that gives the players 1% extra and the pitch is a bit dodgy and that gives us a few percent extra and 
you know, we treat the English players badly, and that gives everyone a bit more, more, more you know, one percent extra. You know, there's enough there. I, you know, I think we're capable of winning the game. I really do. I'm going to ask you a very unfair question now, uh -huh. but I'm going to do it anyway. What do you think the score is going to be? Gun what, to do your I head. what do I think versus what would I want? Well, it's obviously what I want. Yeah, I was going to say. I fear it's, it's going to be a 1 1 draw. And then, and then we're biting our fingernails for whatever five it is, days, four yeah. or five days, waiting on the other results. That's my fear. What about you? I think we're going to win 1 0. <laughs> um, I know this is a really cheesy thing to say, but. I remember when the men qualified, there was some, like, feeling of, I don't know, destiny sounds really <laughs> cheesy, but there was some feeling of that about it where I just, I felt like there was a point when we beat Israel where I thought, it's going to happen. I don't know how, I don't know what the results are going to be, I don't know who we're going to beat or what's going to have to go our way, blah, blah, but I think it's going to happen. I just felt it. And it might be naive, and it may be wrong and stupid, but this has that feeling about it to me. Mm -hmm. I just, I just fancy, I just think we've, it's going to happen. I think we've come too far, I think too much has happened. You know, women's football has changed in Wales, in my opinion, because of this. I don't know. Maybe it's because I stayed up and got drunk last night and watched Don't Take Me Home, but <laughs> I just... I don't know, I, I've just got... I'm, I know I'm bad at saying this, but... No, I've just got a feeling. Oh dear. <laughs> which means, <laughs> which means I apologise, everyone. I've got a bloody chance. Um, no, I've just got a feeling, I, and I... I don't know why, I don't know what, I don't know... Uh, how how it'll happen or what I just I don't know I've just no, got a feeling I just hope you're right I just I just fancy it I'm not going to put a tenner on it because that would please ruin don't. it please don't uh, it definitely won't happen then but <laughs> yeah I really do it's just great I mean I, the number of times you know we've, we've, all, we've all been fans for long enough but, but the number of times we've been up and then down and then up and then down I'm just loving having that connection and that emotion to women's football and the girls playing football. It's, I think it's wonderful to see the nation and us as a football nation getting behind the women that way. And whatever happens on that Friday, I, I still think this has been amazing. And I think the change it's brought about in terms of how people view the quality of what the women can do is brilliant. I actually disagree with you on that. I mean, no, I, I agree, obviously, <laughs> that the quality and everything is yeah. definitely, I don't mean that. I actually fear that if we don't do this, as as Jess said about the Olympics, I fear it, I fear it could all go away. I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I think you have to keep taking those steps, and then eventually, you, you, eventually the glue will stick. I think You've got to keep pushing forward, and yeah, you go two back, two forward and one back, two forward and one back. But you have you have to keep doing that. You have to keep reaching a point where it 
becomes a more normal part of what people picture as football. If they picture football in Wales, they're not just picturing the men. Like I, I don't. I, I mean, like, you're absolutely right. And if it happens one day, whether it's you know in two weeks or in two years yeah. or in twenty years, I think that is obviously the key thing. Yeah. You've got to keep making those. But steps. I think the only, in my opinion, anyway, I think the only way you're going to keep making those four steps forward is if there is something plausible at the end of it, where you can say this is what we've achieved. And that, to me, coming second in that group, not qualifying for the playoffs, you know. I, I, I honestly think it all goes away. I can't imagine those people who watched all of this on a as a on a part time basis sort of thing will then watch the Women's World Cup of Wales on in it. Personally, oh, I think some people. I, I will, think some will. I think some. Will. But I think the majority won't. But you have to. I just think you have to progress. And just, you know, the fact that you look at the players and the, and the contracts and the moves that have happened over the summer. Yeah. You know, Ingalls moved. Um, O'Sullivan's moved. O'Sullivan's moved, yeah. So they're not the only ones, are they? Kane no. Green's now at Brighton. You know, you've, got, um, you've got a point where, one, as wonderful as, I mean, Jess Fishlock's in a different league, but you, you've got... You're starting to get a genuinely professional level team. Yeah. Um, and so on. Yeah, maybe this is maybe this is a step to turning us into a professional level team as opposed to a qualification for the World Cup. And then maybe the next step is is that. But I think I think there's a momentum and and I you know, Jess made the point on our podcast when she was talking about the ticket sales like if you can get a ticket this time, come next time yeah yeah and maybe maybe next time is in France maybe next time is qualification for Europe whatever it is but I think I think we're, we're making a statement as a as an association the way you know just the change in you know Ludlow's contract the fact that there was the fanfare around the squad announcement. We're making a statement as a as an association that okay, maybe they're not on the same footing as the men, but certainly That's in a whole different for, uh, certainly yeah. in a whole different place than they were a few years ago. And so if if the powers that be are making a statement of this group are as important as that then that's going to keep driving forward then. And then, you know, the publicity is on them as well. Like, we've got, a, you know, whatever the next European qualifying games are when they come around. Where are we going? Why are we going there? What ground? Who are we trying to draw in? What are we yeah. doing about it? You know, the, then, the, then the onus is back on the FAW. But I don't think it's... I don't think it will be as retrograde feeling as... as you have about the Olympics. That's my own reaction. Because I feel like this belongs to us in a way that that. I, I see what you mean, and I, I, this it, it, it does belong to us in a different way because that was GB, and we're not going down that road. But and I, I, to, I and I agree with everything you've said in terms of players' progression and making everything a more professional setup. Totally agree. I just wonder how many people are going to keep going to the games. To be honest, you know, Jess said you know they're getting you know five hundred to one thousand people all of a sudden. You know, we've sold eight thousand and probably could have sold fifteen thousand tickets to that game, maybe. 
maybe even more. But what is the incentive for those people to keep coming back the next time? You know, football fans are fickle. You know, people have come to watch women's football basically for six months or nine months or whatever, and that's about it. You know, is it going to stay? You know, I, personally, on a fans level, I, I, I personally think the fans will will drift away if we don't get there, which is sad. Uh, but I think it's the reality of it. We can't end like that. That's no, we've got to end a little bit more positively. Um, I think. The thing I want to end on in a positive way is it's great to be seeing, as you said earlier, people talk and interact and own Welsh football and it's the women in such a positive way and people are becoming heroes and, and I think it's brilliant and I think regardless of whether fans drop out after this and whatever happens if it doesn't go our way this has been a wonderful experience um, I've you know I've certainly I wouldn't say I've jumped on the bandwagon I've been to see women's football Wales women's football before um, but I've watched all but one of these games and I've been excited about all of them and as I say it's great to kind of have those conversations and those thoughts again about women's football about Welsh football I've absolutely loved it and that's what makes me think naively perhaps that this this will work it will happen and I think I think we're going to beat him I think we're going to smash him what <laughs> of a little bastard uh, yeah I think we're going to beat him and I think come what may every single person who's had any involvement with with this, be it the players, coaches, manager, PR team, whatever. Just a wonderful journey to be on. And it's, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I hope that players know how proud of them everyone is and will be, regardless of what happens. And I'm pretty confident the next time we sit down and do this, We'll be talking about how we're going to get to France in 2019. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Okay, fair comment. I just, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think we've had, I mean, we've had a lot of fun at a distance, and it's hard, it's hard being followers at a distance, isn't it? You, you know, our, our interaction by by the geography is somewhat different and I think the fact that it's drawing a community together and a somewhat different community than is drawn by the men yeah you know most of most of those tickets were born, brought by the red wall yeah and most of those people are in the red wall because of because of the men's game but they're going and they're supporting the women and I think the fact that we as a nation have I mean, we're, we're one game away from getting to the World Cup. Yeah. And you think of the, I don't know, last 30 or 40 years, there's not been many times in, I, in either yeah, yeah. either the men's or the women's game where we've been 
warm game away from the world. So I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> I agree with you. We always say we don't expect anything as Wales fans. We've been kicked in the teeth too many times. But isn't it brilliant? And I know it didn't work for the men. But isn't it brilliant to have these moments? We just want to be involved when the going gets good. And we have been. You know, the Euros got to the last game of the qualifying campaign against Ireland. I know it didn't go our way, but, you know, we were still in it at the end. And obviously here we are, one game away from, from going to the World Cup. So it's just been amazing. And I think my final positive thought is without this, we wouldn't have had the opportunity, for, you know, to take out of the fact that she's a footballer to speak to Jess Fishlock who was just she couldn't have been nicer genuinely inspiring like I'm really glad that we're proud of the fact we had a chance to, to speak to her when we put this out I sent her a text to say can you like retweet us and you know I've sat there an hour later and I look at my phone and I've got a text from Jess Fishlock you know <laughs> it's uh it's been an amazing experience to chat to her and hear her views on everything and how well thought out everything she says is and just a brilliant person. So, come what may, to have the opportunity to speak to her and everything, I think, has just been a big highlight of all of this. Uh, and hopefully we can speak to her again uh, in France next hour. Okay. We've waffled enough. Let's go. Okay. Uh, okay, so just before we finish, we have just realised we need to pull a name out of the hat to win the Kayleigh Green T-shirt, which has been very generously donated by Hayley from Free Wales. I think it would be brilliant if if Hayley won herself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure Hayley can win. Kayleigh Green could win. Okay. Or Jess. I'd like that. Or Owen Harris. So yeah. Fairness. He set up the interview for us. Okay. So anyway, right. that'd be nice. Swirl my names around. Swirl, 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 swirl. <laughs> and the winner is Nia Davies, uh, whose Twitter handle is at I don't know how you say that. Neno. Neno. Neno Dav. Neno Dav. You've made that very difficult for us, Nia. <laughs> um, but you have won yourself a Katie Green T-shirt which will be winging its way to you soon. Congratulations, Nia. Thank you to everyone who retweeted our messages uh, and our Twitter links and everything else. The Fishlock uh, pod has been by far and away our most listened to, and I'm not surprised. And nothing to do with us, but I thought it was really good. <laughs> I enjoyed listening to it myself. Anyway, I am now rambling. I'll yeah, stop. you are. Let's stop. Okay. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoy listening to this. And we will speak to you soon, hopefully after the game, talking about holidays in France. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.